Well, everybody that's here today is very special to me. It's, a, it's, a, it's always a, a joy. I, I can honestly say a great, great joy for me. As some of you will know if you've been reading the daily devotions, it's a great joy to me to stay in the Christmas season. And um, as much energy and as much um, emotion and as much effort as goes into Christmas Eve, I love the days that come after, and I, I love sharing it with you today. We, we, we are breaking some new ground this morning. I've worn a girdle for the first time. That's what these are called. Some people call them a cincture, which is a fancy name for girdle. We have, we have an acolyte in training today, and, um, and uh, so... I, I've just said goodbye this morning to my youngest grandchildren and my, our, our youngest daughter, um, and they've headed back to Boone. But my little seven-year-old grandson and I, um, we did a project together this week. They've been with us all week, and we did a project in the woodshop. And um, it's the third visit that they've made when little John Finley and I have, have done something together in the woodshop. And we were in there working earlier this week, and he looked up at me and he said, Papa John, this is becoming a tradition. <laughs> yeah, I really love it. So it's a tradition, and it's an ancient one, that the Sunday immediately after Christmas Eve, we hear the Gospel of John, the opening prologue, the, the beginning of the Gospel of John. And I haven't had a chance this, this week to look it up. I don't know how many centuries have gone since this was first suggested. But it, it puts us into the, a whole different place from the focus that the world makes and to some extent the church makes on the birth of our Lord, the nativity of the Lord on Christmas Day. And, and, and the reason the tradition of the church plunges us so immediately from the birth narrative of Luke, chapter 2 of Luke, which we always read on Christmas Eve, plunges us into the opening of John's gospel just so many, so many short hours later, is because the whole purpose of the coming is that we not be staying focused on the coming. The whole purpose of the the, the telling of the nativity is to prepare us to quickly move into the reality of why he came. Why did this happen? Not just that it did, which is true, but what was the purpose? And that's what happens when we turn to John's gospel. And, and we turn to the most theological of, of all the gospels. And I know that not everybody um, responds positively even to the word theology, but, but you have a theology, whether you know it or not. The question is, do you have a biblical theology? Or do you have a made-up theology? Theology just means what you know about God. What, what is your knowledge of God? What, 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 is your, what is your comprehension of God? And believe me, everybody has one. Everybody has one. But the vast majority of the world have made up their God. And we worship the one true God. 
And so we get plunged into that today in John's Gospel. I would dare to say that the first 18 verses of John's Gospel are, if not the most important words ever penned by man, they come close to it. They come close to it. Let, let me remind you, as you probably all know, that John opens the Gospel by absolutely quoting the very first words of the Bible. The very first words of the Bible in the Hebrew language are, in the beginning. And John begins his gospel with those same words penned in Greek all those centuries later. In the beginning. So Genesis says, in the beginning, God. And John says, in the beginning, the Word. Now, Genesis tells us that God created the world and that he spoke it into being which is a, a figure of speech for a mystery beyond telling, that God created all things. And for Christians, in succession to our older cousins, the Jewish people, we believe wholeheartedly that God created all things. It is a fundamental reality for a believing person to believe that God created. Now, we don't have to fight or argue or fuss over how he created, but we, if we don't believe he created, we are not Christians. We do believe that God created all things. And here John tells us he created all things through the word that we have come to know because he was made flesh. The scripture says repeatedly, that it's the fool who says in his heart there is no God. The fool says there is no God. And he proves himself a fool because he does not live as though there is no God. He simply has made himself God. He did not create himself. He cannot save himself. And one day he will discover if he doesn't discover before he dies. How foolish he was. The faithful, the faithful are those of us who know that without faith, as the writer to the Hebrews says, without faith, we cannot please God. If we don't believe, we cannot please him. And we know by faith that he blesses and rewards all who turn to him, all who seek him. So John just is saying to us, the God who made all things from the beginning has been made known to us in Jesus Christ. And I've said before, and I'll say again, that as long as I've believed that, and as long as I have lived trying to allow God by His mercy and grace to align my life with His purposes for my life, I've never plumbed the depths of that reality. The God who made everything in the beginning has been revealed to us in his Son, who is the Word of God incarnate in the flesh. The God who made everything, the God who sustains everything, has been revealed to us by coming into our midst in order that we would see and begin to understand 
why everything in our world is such a mess. Have you ever stopped and thought about this just for a few minutes? Why does everybody get upset when things go wrong? Everybody. Believers and unbelievers. We all have a sense that things ought to go right. Where, where does that come from? How can accidental critters, pluff mud creatures, be aware that there's anything right or wrong? The reason all people think things go wrong is because God wants everything to go right and has made us to know that. He's made us to know that. John says in these short verses that the light that is in every man, the light that is in you, the light in me, the understanding, the reason, the comprehension of the world about us, the awareness of ourselves, and the very life we have has come from him. It's a God-given thing that you have a life and I have a life. It's a God-given thing that you have the ability to reason and think and make decisions and choices and know the distinction between right and wrong. And John says, that's because the one who was with you in the beginning, the one who created you, has come among you. You cannot ponder this very long without making some kind of a decision about what this is saying. This is saying that the word of God, the very creator, the one through whom everything was made, has come among us, has come to us in order to put things right. John will say in here, if I could sum him up in, in these 18 verses, he's telling us in a very profound way, the purpose of his coming was for you to know four things. If you can grasp these four things, you are grasping in summary why he came among us. He made everything. He has come to us. And he wants us to know that we exist because of him. We are his by his gift and creation. And he wants us to come back into a relationship that makes things right. Makes things right inside of this heart of mine. This stony heart of mine to be replaced with a heart of flesh. And to make things right in your life. To make things right in your family. To make things right in your town. To make things right in your world. And he has given you and will give you everything you need through Jesus Christ. Everything you've ever wanted that's true, everything you've ever desired that's good, everything that you've ever aspired to that is noble and holy and gracious and beautiful, he wants to give you. So turn to him. The one who came among us dwells with God everlastingly, and those who turn to him will dwell with him everlastingly. We will be with him. Where he is, we will be. I have come that you may come and dwell with me. I've come among you to put things right. 
I get so excited. I, I could sort of spin around up here. And then he tells us and he reminds us, and that's why we get this on the Sunday right after Christmas. Those of us, this remnant, who perhaps have known this for most of our lives and believed it, to all who receive him, he gives life. What does John mean when he says to receive him? Well, he tells us it means to believe in his name. What does it mean to believe in the name of Jesus? It means to believe that God alone can save. God alone can save you. God alone can heal you. God alone can put things right. God alone can take you to himself. You can't do it on your own. So to receive him is to believe in his name and to receive what he offers. He's offering you life. He's offering me life. He's offering you light, and he's offering me light. He's, he's offering everything good. Not necessarily what you want or what I want, but what God Almighty knows is right and good and true and holy and beautiful and worthy. He's offering it. And in order to have it, we have to trust it. We have to say, I, I want to receive it. I, I help my unbelief. It's weak, but I, I believe. I, I, want, I want what you want from me. And in that moment, John tells us, we're born again of God. If, if we've said that, if we've said that ever, or if we say that today, and we mean it, John tells us, we will be from that moment different because God has taken over where we had been in rebellion. We are born again of God. We're not perfect. We haven't figured everything out. We'll make many mistakes. But we are now on a journey that will lead to eternity with God. And in that journey, everything right and true and good is going to gradually be revealed more and more and more to us. A Christian is a man or a woman who has no need to fear. We have no need to fear any man, and we have no need to fear death. The Word of God makes really, really clear that before the coming of Christ, the thing that held men in bondage was the fear of death. The scriptures tell us that death came into the world contrary to God's will. And Christ has come to set men free from the fear of death. The one who holds the power of death to cause that fear is the enemy of God. We've been living through a global a global lie. That all that matters is this life. And it's not true. What's true is God wants men and women who live with the fear of death 
to have no fear of death. He wants men and women who are in bondage to Satan's deceits to be free. He wants us to know life as it's meant to be. And he came among us that all that receive him should have that life. What a glorious gospel we have to share with a world that's lost. Thank God today that you and I can read the opening prologue of John's gospel and in wonder, in wonder and love and praise, say thank you, God. Let us pray. Lord, when we are afraid, when we feel alone, when we fall in doubt, turn our hearts to you. Grant that all the messages of the world that would take us away from these wonderful truths may not prevail but that part of us that desires with all our heart to receive what you offer, to trust in what you've said, and to believe on what you've promised, to guide the days of our lives toward that day when all that we've ever dreamed that is good will be fulfilled. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen. Amen.